we worked on this from a perspective that we we want to get the science right. So we delved in deeply into what the impact of, for example, extreme heat events on mortality and morbidity. So you know, disease and death, which we've seen clear evidence for from past heat waves. We looked at what changes in the precipitation uh, patterns might do to uh, flooding and flooding season in Indiana. We know that, for example, extreme precipitation events have increased, and in fact, they will continue to increase in the future. For the longer growing season and the warmer winters, which cause a whole range of health impacts from what we call uh, vector-borne disease carriers, as well as from pollen and, and allergies. So we've been able to see certainly that warmer winters uh, recently, as well as quite warmer winters in the future, will lead to the continued expansion of, of pest species that are already have expanded tremendously in Indiana. These include the tick, which carry, of course, Lyme disease. There's been a 400% increase in Lyme disease cases over the last 15 years. It also increases the number of mosquitoes. And there's been, similarly, a four-fold increase in the number of mosquitoes in Marion County, at least, where we have the data here in Indianapolis. Um, but there's also the specter of the fact that climate will be very suitable for those mosquitoes and the mosquito species that harbor malaria, dengue, Zika, and other uh, and West Nile virus uh, diseases into Indiana. Conditions are already right for that in southern Indiana, but we're looking at the expansion of those ranges all the way through the state of Indiana in the next 30 to 50 years. So you're saying that we could actually have cases of malaria here in in Bloomington? Yes. In fact, uh, malaria might be on the comeback. It's the question of whether we can adequately control the particular mosquito species, Aedes aegypti, which is a species that can harbor uh, malaria. As I mentioned, that condition is right for that species, and it already is present in the U.S. and the southern border of Indiana. It does not carry malaria yet, but that's not to ensure that it never will actually develop that ability to carry that disease. Now, tell me a little bit more about the uh, mosquito that carries the Zika virus, because that would be, I thought that was really just a Florida-type issue. So we think of mosquitoes, these tropical diseases, as being down in the tropics, like Zika and malaria and dengue and West Nile. But the point is that the tropics are moving up here through Bloomington and Indianapolis. Now, Zika is harbored by a different kind of species than the malaria-carrying uh, carrying mosquito. However, uh, they survive and thrive under similar conditions. That's quite a, quite a finding. So uh, extrapolating forward in terms of winter temperatures, is that the key factor? Both of those pests, ticks and mosquitoes, are largely influenced by two factors, which is they want wetter environments and they want warmer environments. So they actually uh, will thrive in warmer, wetter um, spring conditions, which is exactly what the models predict. Furthermore, it's just simply not getting cold enough for long enough in some of the winters to beat back those pest species. I'd like to ask you about air pollution, since uh, the CDC has recently said that Indiana, in terms of air particulates, I think, is actually the most polluted state in the country. 
Yeah, air quality is one of the big focuses of this particular report. It's a little bit harder to uh, project, but as you know, we have a tremendous amount of fine particulate matter in our air in Indiana, largely because we seem to be very proud of, of the fact that we try not to regulate things too much. But, of course, all that does is transmit the economic cost of the corporations to the, the, the hospitals, basically, and people. So, yeah, we have uh, we have poor air quality from particulate matter, but we also have um, continued issue with ozone. As your listeners probably are well aware, it's a powerful lung irritant. It's actually um, quite dangerous for people, especially vulnerable populations. And this is one area that we have been able to project pretty staggering potential for an increase in what we call ground-level ozone, and that's because of the, the rise in temperature. Ozone naturally occurs anyway in in areas, but when you have a lot of local sources of those organic chemicals coming out of tailpipes of cars and and factories and you know poorly combusted uh, gasoline, that combined with higher temperatures in the summer, it can spell disaster for people who are sensitive because ozone levels go way up. What what are you projecting for asthma sufferers in the future? Because I'm a and an asthma sufferer myself. It's already obviously gone up significantly over the last uh, two decades, particularly among youth. But one of our recommendations is that this is an area that um, public health and clinicians spend a lot more time focusing on in terms of patient care. So asthma is actually a relatively controllable disease, uh, but asthma is one of these things that are uh, also likely to be increased because of the much longer growing season for, for example, ragweed pollen. And we've already seen a growing season that's lengthened by several weeks. They're lengthened by altogether by about a month or a month and a half. Sometimes at night, I mean, like three o'clock in the morning, if I look outside, it seems to me that there's an air inversion going on because it, the odor of the air uh, seems to me to be ash from coal-fired plants. Do we have air inversions here? That's an interesting phenomenon. You, if you look at uh, during the course of a given day, you have certain patterns, not always predictable, but you have patterns of air stagnation and inversion like you're referencing in the evening, late evening particularly, early morning hours, followed by a flip of air in the early morning sunrises and um, winds and ground-level winds start pushing up. So there's even certainly, a, and as anybody who suffered from uh, allergies and asthma will probably notice, there's even a variation within a given day due to uh, air being stagnant or very dynamic. And that obviously is another issue. That's not one that we could cover in the climate modeling because that's kind of a very, very complicated thing to model. However, um, you know, it does remain an issue. Are there other things that you would like to uh, communicate to our listening audience? I think the most important thing uh, to think about is that we shouldn't go blindly into the night, right? We now have the ability, through well-calibrated climate models, to forecast the future for Indiana, even down to the region, even southern Indiana versus northern Indiana. With that ability to forecast, we should be able to we should be able to think much more intelligently about the actions that we take to protect uh, the health of Hoosiers. 
And some of that thinking has to do with what kind of infrastructure investments we make now to protect Hoosiers in the future. And there are several key sectors uh, we need to really be continuing to think about and worry about changes in, in extreme precipitation and protecting vulnerable populations because, you know, we actually control our, to some extent, our river streams and wastewater systems. And so that's an area that should be built into any infrastructure project moving forward. And similarly, with our ability to uh, have urban development or any kind of development, we have a way to mitigate poor air quality in regions that have a lot of vulnerable populations. For example, uh, changing road systems to some extent, but greening up these areas. By greening alone, you can actually knock down air pollution and and mitigate, to some extent at least, uh, the extreme heat events that we see. So I just urge people to think about the fact that it's not... And when we forecast the future now, we're just not, we're not making blind guesses anymore. We actually are building on a foundation of some excellent science, and so uh, we'd be silly not to listen to it.